You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. My name's Rick Francis. I'm called the senior pastor here. I think that's because I'm old. <laughs> well, we're in epiphany season right now. Would you like to have an epiphany, epiphany this morning? Mm-hmm. Epiphany means a moment of piercing awareness, the sudden jolt of understanding, a season celebrating the revelation of the Savior, the light of the world. As we look at our passage of Scripture from Mark chapter 4 today, I'm just saying, Lord, we need to have that level of suddenly realizing with full understanding what you're saying to us as a church and as individuals today. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. He said to them, You bring a lamp. Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. And whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. Amen. So last week we looked at the seed and the sower, the parable of all the different soils. And, and as we looked at that, we realized that the seed represented the Word of God. It's the Word that is cast and it has many different locations. And as a result of that, it has different ways in which it takes root, doesn't take root. It builds a, a, a crop, a fruit, an abundant a, a harvest, or it gets stolen by the evil one. It gets choked by the cares of this world. It gets messed up by the things that we desire, and uh, we get robbed of it. And so today, as we look at the lamp, the question just comes, do you put a lamp under your bed, under a bowl, or do you put it on a lampstand? Now this is an open book test. Guess where you put the lamp? Okay. Now for the hearers, for the Jewish community that would be hearing Jesus speak, they would understand that the Torah was the lamp. The word of God was the light. Uh, the psalmist David says, you know, you, you, you're a lamp unto my feet. You, you shine the way on the path that I should go. And so there's a correlation between the scattering of seed and where we put the lamp. That kind of parallel. They both have to do with how our heart responds to the word of God. How do we respond when God is speaking his word to us? What does it look like if you put it under the bed? Here comes the word, the light, the light's coming. And I don't know, have you, have you ever been embarrassed because you're a Christian? Yeah. Been in an environment 
that is highly hostile to Christianity, and, and you're there, and all of a sudden you realize your light's leaking out, and people are starting to see that you're a believer. And so we put on our trench coat and try to cover it up. Nah. I remember early adolescence. I didn't know what to do. In class, when the teacher was teaching a, a philosophy of life that I knew my church didn't agree with, and as it was going on, I'm thinking, well, do I say something? Do I not say something? What do I do? Do I, do I shine or do I cover? I don't know about you, but I grew up this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hallelujah. Hide it under a bushel? Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. But it's amazing the way in which the enemy will appeal to our sense of shame that will cause us to diminish the light. And it's like, well, who am I to speak truth because I'm not living the way I'm supposed to be living. So if I, if I comment on this situation, I'm gonna look like I'm commenting from a self-righteous, holier-than-thou type of posture. And so I will just, you know, I'm amazed at all the ways that the enemy silences us from fear, shame, uh, sometimes even good intentions. Well, I don't wanna make so-and-so feel uncomfortable. I don't want to make them feel bad, so I will just kind of cover a little bit of the truth so that it's, it's not making the whole room uncomfortable. So we, we get those kind of things, and, and here in the passage that we're looking at today, we're looking at how does the Word in our heart find its place. How receptive is our heart to the lamp of God's Word? One of my devotionals that I was reading this last week just had this sentence, and I just thought, oh Lord, this is so good. You are the light for every dark path. Now, within the context, you can see that the Lord is the light for every dark path, but the Lord in you becomes the light for every dark path. He said, go tell this people in Isaiah chapter 6, the passage where Isaiah sees the Lord high and exalted, and the seraphim and the cherubim are, are singing holy, 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 and, and everything that's going on, just an incredible chapter, Isaiah chapter 6. But when Isaiah volunteers and says, here am I, Lord, send me, then this is what the Lord says in the verses that follow. He said, go tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. 
I thought he liked us. I thought he was trying to draw us closer so that we could know him and be healed. And it sounds like he's putting up this barrier and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't welcome us. And as we looked at last week, Jesus says, you know, to the ones on the inside, you know, you have these, to those on the outside, I speak in parables. And he, and he quotes this passage again. And it's like, what is going on? And last week I, I shared with you a little more of my confusion in my earlier days of, I don't get this, Lord. I thought we want all, none should perish. And if none should perish, then that means, shouldn't we make it easy for everybody to get in? You know, wide is the door, the path, the road that leads to the kingdom? Oh no, it doesn't read that way, does it? It says, wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to righteousness, that leads to life. And so as, as, as we, we see in God's system, in his great mercy, especially for those of us that want to debate that Jesus isn't the only way, <laughs> we looked at that, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to the Father is through me. It, it's, there, there is some narrowness in, in the rite of passage to come into this relationship with God. That's why I would encourage you today, anytime you get inspired, there's, there's this little drip of anointing that comes upon your life and you start to see something a little different, jump on it. Jump on that anointing and say, Lord, open my eyes. Let me see. I, I give you my ears. I want to hear what you're saying. Teach me, Lord. I want to understand. A heart that isn't pursuing, a heart that isn't hungry for the Lord will have so many distractions in life. The enemy will be so, he, he will have such an easy assignment just introducing one little rabbit trail after another to get you off the path that the Lord has called you to. I, I'm amazed and how this happens for all of us. You're sitting down, you're saying this morning, I really wanna spend some time with the Lord. I'm gonna just have a, a little quiet time here and all of a sudden you, you get there and you're thinking about last night's football game. Oh. I don't even know who won, anybody know? No, no, don't, don't answer that. <laughs> Distractions can come so many different ways. It can be something that you're excited about, something that you're fearful about, something that you could care less about, but for some reason it keeps popping up in your head. Where's that coming from? You have an adversary whose whole purpose in his existence is to try to get back at God as best he can by messing with his kids, by taking his creation, and trying to distort, pervert, twist, make up, down, and down, up, and right, left, and left, right, and just try to bring as much distraction, confusion, still, kill, and destroy. And it's amazing to me that as Western mind people, 
we don't even go there first. We don't even think that we have an adversary who's messing with us. We just think, oh, I must have slept on the wrong side of the bed. Oh, too many anchovies on that pizza last night. I'm not feeling good. The last thing we do is to think that we actually have someone whose total focus is on your demise. Day and night. And he's got a third of the angels working with him. Not the good angels, the ones that fell. And so as, as, as we look at this, and in light of the, the context of the lamp, it's like, Lord, how do I get to the place from where I am today to where I want to be? How many would like to be a little further ahead than where you are currently? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, Lord, I'm here. I'd like to be here. I know this much about you. I've got this much revelation of your love and truth, and I've experienced that, but I know there's a whole lot more. I, I want to know this. How do I get from here to there? I know that you've helped me with some of my problems. You, you've taken care of this issue in my life, and I give you thanks. So grateful. But Lord, I'm still struggling in this issue. How do I get breakthrough here? What is it that, that you want to do? The thing about hunger in the kingdom is completely different than hunger on planet Earth. I'm not gonna to try to make your stomach growl right now, but if you're getting hungry, in the natural realm, you eat. And if you're a real hungry person, when you eat, you select an all-you-can-eat buffet because you will eat until you are full. I don't know how full you can be when you eat, but I've had some experiences where I've eaten to the point of sin, and I was so full that as I'm walking to the car, I'm thinking, I may throw up. Now that is called gluttony. But in the natural realm, you can only eat so much and your appetite, your hunger gets satiated. You, you get full and, and, and you're happy. In the kingdom, in the spirit realm, it doesn't work that way. If you get hungry, you eat. And the more you eat, the hungrier you get. Your hunger doesn't go away because you've eaten. When you have eaten, you'll find that your hunger increases. Why? Because once you start to open the door of understanding and knowing Him, you discover something that has so smitten you that you want more and more and more and more and more for eternity. This is heaven. It starts now in our pursuit of opening our heart to know him more intimately than what we've known him. And as we continue to walk that route, we discover he's more amazing than I ever could have conceived. 
He's more loving than the most loving experience I've ever had. And when you've had an incredible loving encounter with him, you say, well, that's enough. No, <laughs> no, you don't. You say, I want more. I want more of that. This is, this is the good news of the gospel, that once we start eating, we never stop, and we don't have to go to Weight Watchers. We can just continue to consume and to consume the delights of who he is and his majesty. How does it look in the Passion Translation? I knew you were gonna ask that. <clears throat> that's why I prepared these slides. He also gave them this parable. <clears throat> no one lights a lamp only to put it under a basket or under a bed. It is meant to be placed on a lampstand. For there is nothing that is hidden that won't be disclosed. There is no secret that won't be brought out into the light. If you understand what I am saying, you need to respond. Wow. Do you remember the first time you read that passage? How it affected you? I had some secrets. I thought, uh-oh. Uh-oh, my secrets are going to come out. Yeah, that's what, what God's doing. He's going to put out his big bright light and he's going to expose me. And so when I read this passage, I read it through the lens of shame. And when you read this passage through the lens of shame, you're missing the whole point and the context of the verses. It's in the context of what kind of heart do you have when the Lord brings his word to you? He doesn't bring his word to you to shame you. He brings his word to you to heal you. Just think, wow. I know several of you know my testimony and I had this encounter with the light, the lamp of God that came many, many years ago. And when it came, I, I was just, I had been working with Mike Robertson as, as my counselor and as I, was, I was going through different things. In therapy, it was like I had a knife stuck into my abdomen. And as we developed this within my, my counseling experience, I started to feel in the natural realm, I started to feel like I had an ulcer. I thought, oh, this isn't good. This isn't good. But when the lamp of the Lord came to me, it came in the form of a, a laser beam. And as I was up before the Lord, seeking him, the laser came and just zapped the knife. Zapped the chains that were, were hindering my ability to move. I felt handcuffed. The, the light came and I was free. It was so wonderful. And, and as the laser freed my hands and, and then got the knife, I, I thought, well, where'd the knife go? Because when the laser cut the handcuffs off, they were just on the ground. And I was looking for where the knife was. And then I realized I was playing with the knife. I had this, this little 
picture of me flipping the knife like a baton, flipping it up in the air, grabbing it by the handle, flipping it again, grabbing it by the handle, tossing it back and forth. And I thought, Lord, what's this? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, the very weapon that the enemy had brought against you to destroy you has now become a weapon that I have put into your hands for you to destroy his kingdom of darkness. And I thought, oh, this is good. I like this. We get stuck. I was stuck until that moment. And then the lamp came. The light of the Lord came. We find that we go move forward. And, and as we continue to walk, we, we get stuck again. I, I find it just doesn't happen once in a while. And wherever you are in your journey, the enemy's whole dynamic is to make you to think that you're, you can't really move, that you're stuck. And sometimes it's through intimidation. Another time we, we were working on something and, you know, I was where I was and we were doing a little spatial therapy and I was here, but I wanted to be over there. But between me and where I wanted to be was this huge mountain. It, it was like Mount Everest to me when I sat there, or when I stood there and, and as I was looking, I saw snow coming down and I saw the mountain. I had to get around the mountain. There was no path, there was no trail. It was all wilderness, it was just all brush. And I thought, I need a machete if I'm gonna hack my way through this. The whole purpose of it was to make me feel at a loss, disillusion. There's no way I can get from where I am to where I wanna be. There's no way I can get there. Why try? Throw in the towel, give up, whatever. That's what the enemy is constantly putting before us. Whatever the situation is, I don't care how small it is, the enemy will always insert some kind of obstacle to make it appear that you can't get where you want to go. So once again, I was with Mike and we were at his house and I'm in the dining room and I'm looking at this mountain. I can't get around it. And I mean, it's it just like, wow, it was almost like I was seeing into a realm and I didn't know what to do. And Mike said, well, can you move? And I thought, yeah, I can move. Because sometimes when you're doing this kind of stuff, you can't move, you're stuck. You're stuck right there. And he said, well, take, you know, move. So I took two steps. And I looked back at my mountain and I saw that it was paper mache. When I was over here, it was absolutely unpassable. There's no way I can get through that. So why try? Two steps over, I saw the deception. It was chicken wire and paper mache. Where's the tin snips? We can get right through this mountain. We don't have to go around it, we can go right through it. Whenever you see an obstacle that looks like it's bigger than big, ask the Lord, is this real? Can I move? Can I take two steps to the right or left? Can, can I see what's going on? And it's amazing what will be revealed because the enemy is a liar and a deceiver. He's the father of lies. And he will do everything in his power to manipulate 
those places where he has access into your thoughts, your memory bank, your emotions, your heart, your fears, your anxieties, any of that stuff, he will take and use to keep you from being able to move closer and closer and closer to the Lord. Now that's good news. That's good preaching, Rick. Thanks, amen. Give it to us. My heart today, through this passage of Scripture, is to encourage us that whatever we're facing, to know that the Lord is with us, that He loves us, and that He's better than what we could ever imagine in our wildest imagination. And as we submit to Him, He will continue to reveal Himself and show Himself to us so that we can see things the way He sees them. When we receive the lamp and it becomes a lamp unto our feet, we know where we need to take the next step. We don't have to have the, the floodlight to see a mile down the road. We just need the, enough light to know where we take the next step. And it's amazing that when, as, as an act of love and obedience and desire to understand and be in relationship, when we take that step, what gets released? Sometimes it's just one step, and all of a sudden, the grace that is needed for the next step is ours. It comes, and it, it comes oftentimes just as a, as a flood. It just overwhelms us, and sometimes it's a wave that just sweeps us up, and the next thing we know, we're at the shore. We're at the place we were wanting to be. Let the Holy Spirit take these words and apply them practically to your life today. I believe they apply to absolutely every one of us. And that the Lord has given us this because of His great love for us. He wants us to know how much He is for us. So don't let the enemy take Scripture and make it look like God is exclusive and doesn't want you. But God makes sure that if you want Him, you have to really want Him. He doesn't want a girlfriend or a boyfriend that's got another girlfriend and boyfriend on the side. He's looking for someone who wants him with all their heart. He is a jealous God. There'll be no other gods before him. So don't confuse his wonderful love for us with him make special allowances and you only have to do a 50% pursuit of him. No, if you're going to pursue him, you pursue him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All through scripture, we pursue the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So when you hear the word and you don't understand, an enemy says, well, you're not smart enough. If you knew Greek, you might be able to get past this passage or learn Hebrew or something like that. Don't buy into any of that. Your ability to hear is a God-given grace. Say, Lord, touch my ears. Help me hear. Help me hear what you're really saying. Not what I think you're saying, not what my religious training has taught me you're saying, but what are you actually saying? What is your words to me speak, spoke, being spoken to me today? We'll take the written word 
But you can study the written word without the spirit and you have something that is a burden, a millstone around your neck, that there's no life. Or you can read with the Holy Spirit and ask him, I don't understand, what does this mean, Holy Spirit? It looks like God's mad at me. What does it mean? And let him open up your understanding. The Spirit and the Word leads to life. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.